0: Good morning, good afternoon and good evening and welcome to the latest Same Old Arsenal podcast. This is our summer series. It is one in, one out, one bangs. We are on episode seven. Thank you to everybody who is joining us live. Uh, lovely to have uh, so many people in. Uh, pop your name in and say hello in the comments. Uh, say hello to my guests as well. I'll introduce those in a second. Um Yeah, if you've got any questions, you should all know the format by now, but if you don't know the format, I will explain it in a minute. But before I do that, let's get cracking with introducing my two wonderful guests for this evening. I'm going to start with a man in the top right-hand corner, Charles Watts, journalist and a very, very good writer and somebody who has written quite an interesting book, which he's going to tell us about in a second before we get cracking. Charles, how are you doing, mate? You all right?
1: I'm very good, Chris. How are you, mate? Thanks for having me on.
0: Ah, It's lovely to have you on. It's lovely to have you on. So... um, but before I introduce Dave, I was just saying to you off uh, you both offline, I feel like I'm the odd one out here because I'm the only one that hasn't written a book. So do you want to just tell our uh, listeners about the book that you've written? Because I think it's quite an interesting one, actually, and definitely a topical one at the moment.
1: I hope it's an interesting one. Yeah, it's uh, it's called Revolution, The Rise of Arteta's Arsenal. And as the title suggests, it's kind of a story of the journey that the club have been on from when Mikel took over to where they are right now with a little bit about him's time as a player at the club as well and him moving off and heading off to Manchester City and sort of cutting his teeth with Pep and all that and uh, and then getting into the meet and sort of the neat and gritty of it all at Arsenal so it was been a yeah it was a lot of fun to do it was a lot of stress to do as well um, when we kind of started planning it myself and the publishers obviously we were kind of hoping it was going to have the, the perfect ending the glorious ending of lifting the title but when we started it, it was all we always said. Look, whatever happens, if they don't win it, we're still this is you know something we're still going to do. It wasn't you know dependent on them winning the league. Obviously, that would have been nice, but it was about. I think we both kind of agreed, myself and the publisher, that you know it's been such a story. There's been so much going on, so much happening, um, ups downs, drama, and then just this kind of rebirth of Arsenal. Really, that over the last couple of seasons we've all loved and enjoyed and experienced at the stadium. Um, off the pitch as well and um, so yeah it kind of tries to encapsulate all of that around the kind of just like I said it's not just about what happened on the pitch but what's happened off the pitch as well and the the sort of energy that has been built up at the the stadium and within the squad and within the club in the last couple of years.
0: Yeah do you know what I think's interesting part uh, which we as Arsenal fans don't really get exposed to is that period of time uh, when he was at Man City and where he did a lot of his formative learning so that's quite an interesting one from my perspective because all I, i've seen the all or nothing man city documentary but you only see just little snippets of him don't you so you just see little glimpses of the man that he's he's then evolving into being and where we're at at the moment so uh yeah interesting one
1: yeah and he's a really interesting character you know i and and i think arsenal are very lucky to have him and um i think we're really beginning to see the the quality he has and I think the squad he's built, the way he's just sort of taken control of the club that needed, it was a club that needed someone to take control of it again, because it had just been allowed to drift. And we all experienced it. We were all there at the end of Arsene and even during Unai, who did his best, but it just, it was never really going to work with Unai. It just didn't, it wasn't a fit. This is a fit. It does fit. And, um, you know, the way he's taken control of the club and the direction he's taken it. And with help, you know, Eddie's done great. The owners have done great. There's just the alignment that's kind of, Come back to things at Arsenal, which has been really important because that just wasn't there. There was so many, there was infighting, there was a battle for power, all the stuff that kind of happened with Ivan with Rao, which is all covered in the book as well. And but now if you're like, there, <laughs> yeah, and it but now it just <laughs> it was a line, doesn't it? You've gone through that period where we we're all just like, what is going on? Who's making the decisions? You know, Ivan was there. You thought he was going to, when Arson when Ivan was going to take control, then suddenly he does a runner off to, to Italy and Raul sort of seizes control and wins the power battle and, and, you know, all of that. It just felt it was such a mess behind the scenes. And now suddenly you look at it and you look at all the other clubs around England, really, at the moment, or certainly most of them, and you just think everyone must look at Arsenal just with a real sort of sense of jealousy that they've just got their place, place in order now. And that a lot of that is down to michael and the direction and his determination to see this project through that he arrived and spoke about in his first interview with the owners so yeah yeah hopefully that all comes across in the book
0: yeah lovely and just quickly before i move on to dave and his book um where can people get it is it an amazon thing or is it somewhere else it's everywhere
1: it's everywhere it doesn't come out to august 31st so it's only available on pre-order now you can obviously pre-order it from amazon from from wh smith and then once it's uh once it's published it'll be available from those places but also in bookshops as well and be a couple of launch events, book signings, that sort of thing that are um, yet to be announced, but will be taking place. And so lots of places to get it. So, yeah, please. Nice. Do.
0: Brilliant stuff. And Dave, you are also a published author of multiple books, too. What's the latest one?
2: Uh, the, well, the latest one is the, the one that celebrates the 20th anniversary of the Invincible season, which is something actually I was going to write after I wrote the 2018 book the about the Double Double. But you know, circumstances, situations, personal stuff took over, and as it happened, it's probably a good thing because this is the perfect time to be writing about the Invincibles' twentieth anniversary. So, yeah, it's uh, it's me teaming up with Paulie Drawn Arsenal again. I'm not allowed to say his real name because most people don't know his real name. He's just Paulie Drawn Arsenal, but uh, yeah, brilliant illustrator that most people know. He works with Arsenal and Arsenal Vision now. I like to think I found I, I discovered him in 2017 when I asked him to illustrate the last book. But uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's the Every single game, pre-season, summer transfer window and every game of the 2003-2004 season, told in rhyming couplets with brilliant illustrations from poorly drawn Arsenal.
0: And just before um, we get to the main crux of the show then, did you have a particular section which you enjoyed the most? To be honest with you, the
2: reason why I enjoyed this one so much more, and I didn't know this until I started writing it, was because obviously the double-double, like, we did the double, we did the double again, it was just factual um, and it was I, I just relayed each game in, in rhyming couplets and with the illustrations but this one even though everyone knows the story the joy was as you progress through the 38 games I was always doing it in context with where chelsea were where man United were where we were so even though you know the end game it's still putting it in context of you know there were many many times in that season where we were nowhere near top you know, we were several points behind, and then we were ahead, and then we were behind, and then we had big games, and it's that it was just building to that crescendo. And there's almost like two crescendos because there's a crescendo of winning the league at White Hart Lane, which is obviously fantastic, and then there's the will they, won't they? But the backdrop, which I loved, and I really played to, is the fact that the whole media and the whole football world laughed at Arsene Wenger when he said two years before we'd do it that we could do it, and yeah. so you're always, I'm always harkening back to. You know, oh, are we going to? Were they laughing at us? Are they still laughing at us? Oh, are they? You know, it's that, you know, that whole ridicule that the club got and Arson got for saying that it was possible uh, and bringing that all to a head at the end in an epilogue, which is, uh, I loved it. Yeah. So I loved doing the last one, but this one was special because it's just such a unique achievement. And I know we're still waiting 20 years later and hopefully hopefully we can uh, celebrate the 20th anniversary with uh, with winning
0: the Premier League title again. Well, that'd be and nice. That'd be we're nice. looking at a pretty
2: good, pretty good situation
0: to do it. Yeah. So just quickly, um, just before we get into the main bits, um, where can people find that? Well, similar to Charles. You know, it's not out till September, but we're doing a pre-launch
2: thing as well. So uh, Legends Publishing it all over my social media and uh, there will similarly uh, to be launch events in September. But I've deliberately, you know, uh, I, I could have easily brought this out in August, but to respect to Charles because his is a bigger and more important book, so I didn't want it. So uh, I left <laughs> a month. I left a month in between the book that people want to buy. And the book that they've got a little bit of spare cash left. They might frivolously buy. Um, but yeah, so no, it, it'll be it, there. Will be launch events in, uh, similarly to Charles, but not till a month after. All right. Okay. And that's that's the sole reason. Yeah. Fine. It's left, no, perhaps, no. Charles can. I did ask Charles. He months did. Ago. He did. Absolutely gentleman. I didn't want to. Not that my my books are a threat to (laughs) to Charles's, but what's the point of having two great books coming out at the same time? You know, silly.
0: Well, so I've got you on. Um, We talked a little bit about the books, but uh, premise for this evening's, uh, the next sort of 20, 25 minutes um, is our summer series, One In, One Out, One Bangs. So um, the concept is... Yeah, no, you don't, do, you don't do that. He's already in. He care. Oh, what do you mean? Oh, uh, damn it. Concept is that uh, you've just saved Mikel Arteta's life and he's granted you two wishes and it's an opinion piece. And so the first bit is you can have any Mikel Arteta says, Look, I've got a direct dial to Stan Kroenke. He's already given me 200 million quid, so I can get whatever I want. So you get to choose any footballer you want. Uh, And we've had, we're into series, this is episode seven. Uh, Just to give you a bit of a background on what we've had. So Johnny Cochran from the Arsenal Opinion uh, podcast has gone for uh, Vlavic as his uh, striker in. Um, Kaya Kainak went for Ivan Tony. interesting one there. We've had uh, uh, Ivan Tony as well from Akil. Merv Dinnan went for Harry Kane, which uh, was contentious. Very (laughs) contentious. Uh, Merv Um, Dinnan. Erling Haaland uh, we've had from uh, Paul Hepgog. H- Eckers Invincible Mike McDonald went for Rasmus Hoyland. Sounds like he's on his way to United though. Uh, we've had Ferguson from Brighton. We've had uh, two Fergusons from Brighton. We had uh, um, a uh, Victor Osman from Was last week. So, are only so not that strikers. I want to lead the witness. Not are you that I want to lead the about win. strikers.
2: Or has everyone only gone for a striker so far?
0: It feels like everyone's gone for strikers. So I'm really yeah, interested so to get your opinions. Lads. It, I'm really interested to get your opinions. So for our one in for the night, I'm going to start with you, Charles. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got your pick. Uh, Mikel Arteta has said, "You can have who you want. I'll
1: make sure he's arriving in Colney in the morning." Who are you going for? I think I'm going to be really boring now listening to all those ones. Um, and I think I've overthought it, and I'm sort of putting it into perspective of where I think the squad is at the moment. And I think I think I'm looking at this squad right now. If Arsenal need to improve anything, I, they I, they have to sign or replace uh, someone who can cover for Bagaya Saka. I think it's so important, and they can't have another season where they're just literally. Flogging him into the ground, playing every single minute of every single game. So uh, I'd be signing Rafinha from Barcelona. He's a player I really liked. I thought he showed so much personality when he was at Leeds. He's done it in the Premier League. He's proven he's done it at the Premier League. And I think he'd come in, he would compete. He would provide competition. It would give you the opportunity to rest Saka as much as you wanted. And you got a top quality right winger. Um, who could come in and fill the void left by him. And so that is, as much as I would love an early Harland or something like that, I I honestly think, and I'm going to speak about this a little bit later, that Gabriel Jesus is set for a really good season this season. So I'd be going, I'd be all over signing a right winger and giving Saka some much needed competition and cover. So yeah, Rafinha for me.
0: That's a really interesting one. Um, I got really excited when we were in for him was that last summer or the summer before?
1: I can't last remember. summer. But, yeah, last Yeah, summer.
0: I got really excited on that one. And it's one of those that it built up slowly. So when I first heard about it, I was like, well, you know, I don't watch a lot of leads. So I started to watch a few sort of clips and stuff. And when I started to watch it, I thought, this guy's good. And he wanted that Barcelona move. I mean, having said that this is a, uh, a free hit game uh, of you can pick anyone you want, um, I do obviously love to throw the odd curveball in. Do you think he would want to? Come. If 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 money wasn't the object, if, if the money, money is money's, money's not you said
1: money's not an object. I am mean, I'm, I'm offering him five hundred grand a week now. So uh yeah, <laughs> I think I think would come. <laughs> the, project the project is exciting, thing though. Though,
2: it's the it's team it's, team. it's a touch of realism thing, isn't it? You know, everyone talks about it. it's a squad game, cover players, you've got to give Saka a rest, blah blah blah. That's like coming to centre forward to understudy Harry Kane, isn't it? At Tottenham.
1: Yeah, you it's a play. tough one. You can't do it.
2: You are talking about the best right sided midfield player winger, probably in Europe right now, if not the world. Mm -hmm. And you're talking about an £80 million player coming to understudy him. I just, I just, I'm a bit old school. I can't deal in the lack of reality about that. However confident Rafinha is in his own ability, he can't believe he's better than Bukayo Saka. So you're talking about asking a player who's a Brazilian international to come to be a player who's going to play 15, 20 games a season and come on as a sub. Mm -hmm. Just,
1: Crazy, but then I think but you look. As you at, say the, are supposed to
2: be suspending reality, so fair, yeah.
1: enough. But then I think you look, you look at Ben White as well. I think Ben White's been arguably the best right back in England for a year, maybe with Kyle Walker up there, and um, and yeah, Arsenal got out and spent a 6 a, you know, spent forty odd million on someone who could potentially replace him. I think Mikel, it's so important this summer is just building that top sixteen, seventeen, eighteen players in the squad up rather than the starting eleven to give him the option to rest yeah. and rotate and. You know, that's where Arsenal fell off last season was when players, key players got injured, the drop-off was too big the ones mm-hmm. coming in. And I think if you can get up that 16, 17, 18, where there's just barely any drop-off, basically Man City, isn't it? You can do what mm-hmm. you want. You can rest players, bring someone in and the quality doesn't drop. And Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah I, look, I look at the whole squad and I just think that's the one area. If something, God forbid it doesn't, if something happens to Pacayo, and I think he's been so lucky that it hasn't yet in the last few years, if something does happen and he's out long-term, I think Arsenal struggle at the moment in yeah. that sport.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're talking about Reese Nelson being that understudy, but I've always thought Rhys Nelson is more from the left.
1: Mikel likes him on the left, yeah. I don't think Mikel, Mikel sees him as, as Saka's sort of replacement. I think he sees him much more on the left.
0: Do you think the club will actually actually question, I'll ask you this, Dave, and then I go back to Charles. Do you think the club is looking hard at a right winger? Because it's all gone a bit quiet now, because no, we've just spent 200 million Well, points. we've
2: seen there's been a lot of links the last couple of days about uh, Mohamed Kudos, obviously from my Ajax, who can play, very much play in that position. Forty million pound for a player as a regular for Ajax would look like a sensible piece of business if it's possible because he, he can play anywhere across the, the line behind the striker and definitely could play, you know, in Saka's role. Yeah. I also think look I know, based on Nuremberg and what I know about where he was at Man City, the question is if we sign if we sign another striker, is is Gabriel Jesus the obvious replacement for Saka on the right? I'm not saying he's a similar sort of player, but we know that. Two years ago, he was literally the go-to player for Pep in the Champions League. Yeah, every yeah. time it was an important game, he played, he played Gabby Jesus on the right. So, we haven't done it much, but we can do it. Um, and I don't think there's a huge quality drop-off if we do that. So, I would probably favour the, the decision on Nketiah uh, and Balogun or a replacement and, and look at Jesus as the cover for the horrible situation that Charles described with Saka, which we obviously which... hope doesn't
0: happen. Which nobody um, wants. That would my that would my take. Yeah. So actually, Dave, let's move on to your uh, one in then. Well, I, Ooh, I just i honestly I've been
2: thinking back in my brains all day, and I, I don't want to be boring, but I really, really am struggling with. You know, I don't I don't want to sort of throw out a million pound, you know, multi million pound player for the sake of it. But I do agree that the the the, the one area we have to address is is the is the drop off if Saka's not there or the ability to rest him. And I do think Mohamed Kudos is. You know, if we can, I mean, he's been linked with Brighton and other clubs, but we know the quality of players. At Ajax. we know the technical ability is exactly what Arteta likes. You know, and the ability to play in multiple positions. So he looks like a an Arteta type of signing to me. Um, so I would be very happy with that signing um, as as a cover for uh, for Saka. But yeah. I do, I, and I accept what Charles is saying about Nelson. But I do sometimes think. And again, I'm not Arteta, and I can't change his mindset. But I sometimes get frustrated when we're not doing well in games that we are inverted wingers all the time. And I sometimes look at it and think, oh, Gabby, you know, Saka swap wings for a bit, just just change it up a bit, and, and give the opposition defence a different problem. And I do think that if he's stuck, if he's stuck with Reese, he's given Reese a, a big contract. Whilst he prefers him on the left, I do wonder whether that's that is an option. And because I, I like the idea of changing the dynamics during a game. And I uh, that's why well, one issue with Arteta sometimes is that we never do that, you know, mm. even when we make changes. And he's very set in the way he plays. And I hope the bigger squad and the quality signings gives him that ability. But, I, you know, I do I do think Reese can do a job on the right. And I, sometimes I think, you know, when I see Martinelli always cutting in and never taking on the full-back, he's got better at it. But I think, well, wouldn't it be nice, you know, to be mm. old-fashioned wingers now and again and just beat the fullback and cut it back? Yeah, and Waz well, did say last week... I think would yeah. give you that option, even if it's in the last 20 minutes a game, just to change the dynamics if things yeah. aren't
0: going well. Well, Waz did say last week that that was his one to bang and he showed signs of improvement last uh, last season. So you, you never know. It's just he hasn't been used there. And as Charles said, he kind of... I feel like Arteta prefers him on the left, but, you know, we, we never know. Charles, um, just don't want to cut you out of this. Just sort of final thoughts before we go into the, the one-out bit. Do you think Arsenal are going to look hard at that right winger spot? They must they must do really surely if they went for Rafinha last year and it's gone a bit quiet. Hmm. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think that I think they will look I think the the focus now is very much switched to getting players out I think it needs to. They've done the business that they really wanted. They've got the three players in they really wanted which is fantastic news. And now they have to look at moving some players out you know just shelled out 200 million quid after a couple of another previous couple of summers where they've spent loads of money and brought basically none in. So they have to try and get some players out now. I think that's definitely going to be the focus. But I do think as we get later on in the window, once, you know, hopefully they've got a couple of players out and brought some money in, that they'll definitely reassess and, and have another little look before uh, before you get, you know, before the end of the window. So, yeah, I, I do, I, I'm not saying for definite they will sign someone, but I do think they're definitely going to have a look and that is an area that they are targeting
0: yeah, definitely.
1: Of course, so they will have like,
2: two or three games to look at the the internal solutions and Marquinhos again, won't they? Before yeah. the end of the window, I'm, I'm,
1: I'm I'd be very. I think Marquinhos will go out on loaning. I think he's too. It's far too. Yeah, early. No, I was thinking more of the the, the, the uh, and where is
2: and the, 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 the yeah the little the younger players who obviously are going to get a chance in the next few
0: games.
1: Yeah, someone can stand. You know, someone can stand up and make a you know make a name for himself in the summer. Then it will give him a it will give him a decision to make.
0: Yeah, 100%. Well, that's kind of a good segue then to uh, the one out then. So you've had your one in. Mikel said, all right, there's Mrafinia. Enjoy. Hope you enjoy him, Charles. You've brought into the club. Well done. So let's look at uh, the one out. Now, I, I make the assumption that you've got players like Cedric or Pepe that are probably going to go out. That It's probably a done deal. So you don't have to be the one that shunts them out of the door so just in terms of context we've had a lot we've had a lot over the last few weeks of Eddie and Ketia's out so I don't know how you feel about that or whether or not you would pick somebody else we've had a couple for a party but we've had four or five people over the last few weeks that have gone for uh, Eddie and Ketia out and I don't know whether that's reflective of the we need another striker or an attacker player in but who's your who's your one to leave
1: who's that me yeah you Charles Balogun really yeah I think so I think I just because again and I'm being a bit r- sort of realistic I think here I'm looking at his contract situation I'm looking at his value right now how high it is the interest there in him I just think if you don't sell him now and then he doesn't get as many minutes as he wants this summer maybe he begins to sulk maybe you know he doesn't score many goals suddenly his values dropped, he's only got a year left next summer and you've missed out on the possibility of getting about 40 50 million pounds in for a player so I think sometimes you just gotta you gotta reluctantly sell someone and I think this is the summer to sell Balogun very much try and protect yourself with whatever deal you do get a buyback clause in there that a decent enough price even if that means maybe taking 10 million pounds off the asking price for him if you can get a decent buyback clause included to try and protect yourself but for me you know Eddie's got four years left on his deal Balogun's got two and I can't get I can't come move away from that contract situation I think it just it just unfortunately is going to force Arsenal into selling. And I think this is the summer you have to really do that. So that's who I'm going for.
0: Yeah. And we've been accused of being poor at selling for so long that when you've got maximum value out of a young player that you can get, and as you said, if we protect ourselves, there's no real way of losing it, is it? Imagine if Inter Milan, apparently that's what I think Fabrizio Romano was talking about, that Inter Milan are interested in throwing in some, I mean, I know it's all speculation in here, so that's interesting, throwing in some clauses. So if they come in and say, we'll give you 35 million quid, but within the next two years, if he really explodes, then you can buy him back for 45 million quid, then you probably would do it, I'd imagine.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I'd do, especially if you're going to sell him to Inter. I think you probably have to do something like that because they haven't got the money that some of the Premier League clubs, if someone like a West Ham or an Everton, who I think would, you know... Absolutely crying out for a striker come in, and they've got Premier League money behind them, and they're willing to go to what Arsenal want, which is around fifty million. It might be a little bit harder to negotiate a buyback clause at a decent fee, but if you're going to do it to Inter and accept a slightly lower fee, I think you definitely really try and push to get a good, uh, a good buyback clause and protect yourself. So, yeah, yeah, hundred
0: percent. Dave, would you? Uh, are you on the Balogun uh, exit train, or are you? Uh, picking oh yeah, catching your one
2: I, out. I everything Charles said, I completely agree. With. Um, yeah, he's got 15 goals in league without penalties. So you know, Lacassette scored over 20. Just tells you, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't deny he's had a good season, but you know, we, he's never done anything in the Premier League. So you've got to make a decision, and he's he's pretty much made the decision for himself. He said he won't go out and loan, and he's not gonna, he's not gonna be a regular at Arsenal. So the decision's made for us. But you know, throwing the other one, and I, I don't want to say this, and I, I hate, I hate the fact, but I, I think we have to sell Kieran Tierney. Purely because I think he's such a great lad and he's a great footballer and he deserves to play in a team that wants to play football the way that his attributes will be appreciated because they've been singly unappreciated at Arsenal and that's not a criticism of anyone but asking Kieran Tierney to play like Sinchenko is not fair. Um, and I think most fans, even the ones who love Arteta, like you know the three of us do, would rather we 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 change the way we played when we had to play Tierney and we didn't do that last year. So yeah, you know he's a great player. Two years ago we. Got well, three years ago and two years ago, we probably didn't make Champions League because he was injured, and everyone thought the same. Everyone thought he was going to be our club captain, and suddenly he's the he's he's the forgotten man. We all love him, but we all think he's never going to play. So, if we can get thirty five million pounds for e then thank you very much. You've been a fantastic player for three years. I love you to bits, but you know, go and enjoy the rest of your career, and let's make the money from
0: you because we definitely will make good money from Kieran Tim. Yeah, Charles, what's your thoughts on the KT stuff? Do you do you? Do you agree? Is it I, for I me? I do agree. I, I agree. Injury with... stuff that's the problem, isn't
1: it? Yeah, but He's been he was fit last year, and Mikel still didn't play him. You know, he played Jakub Kivior instead of him. It's just it, you know, uh, I, I never really understood it. And I think if you, I just think you play Tierney and ask the team to play a little bit different, maybe if he's playing and to ask him to play that inverted role, it's just not him. And exactly like Dave said, I think it's just. But he still case. gave his all trying to do it, didn't he? he did. I want to understand why well, he's always going to do that. And that's the type of character he is and professional he is. But I agree. I think he just deserves to go out and play for a team that will play him. He's too good to be sitting on the bench. And I think he, he walks into most Premier League teams and improve them. Unfortunately, he's just a team that do not set up or play a system that suits him at all. And so it's like the the, the kind of Arsenal has moved on, moved on without Kieran Tierney under Arteta, unfortunately. And... Um, it is a shame, like they said, I, when we all thought he'd probably be captain at one point, not too long ago. And now he's just sitting on the bench and got centre backs playing ahead of him or moving Tommy Assu over from right back to play ahead of him. So yeah. I think, yeah, I think as that comment there on, on the screen, I think he's been really, really unlucky in the way that the team has just evolved in the last couple of years. And unfortunately, that's just meant that there's just not really a place from him. So you've got to get, you've got to cash in as well.
2: It's just football. You know, it happens. Everyone looks back with rose-tinted glasses at Eduardo. You know, Eduardo was injured when we played 4 When he came back, we played four-two-three-one, and Van Persie was banging in 25 goals a season. You know, we put him out on the left wing. He didn't like it. We sold him. It happens. It's football. You know, systems yeah. evolve. Managers change. It just is what it is. We all wish him the best. But there is absolutely... Even with this thing a few weeks ago, oh, we might play a three at the back. But he always going to play there. If we play the three at the back, it's not going to be Tierney, is it? So, yeah. Even though he plays it for Scotland, you know, yeah, we, we are not going to play him there. So,
0: I mean, my hope is that ideally, you want some sort of a bidding war going on, but there's so much noises around Newcastle, it just feels like that's almost inevitable. Well, but again, noises
2: are about him taking a pay cut to go back to Celtic as well. Which, uh, I can't see. And I think happening. if he went that back good, there, he'd probably be made captain by Brendan
0: Rodgers. So. Yeah, well, I think that would be quite an extraordinary move, to be honest with you. I don't know how much money Celtic have got. But um, right, let's move on to the final sort of um, the question uh, for next season. So uh, right at the beginning, the reason I've chosen this and I started this season off, this series off with it, is because I I put a tweet out right at the beginning of last season saying, I think Martin Odinger is going to absolutely bang. And then when he's had the season that he's just had, I was very smug and decided I'm going to ask everybody to make their predictions. So you've got one player that you think... Well, they're either they're either already brilliant and they're going to go supernova, or maybe they come from a little bit of left of field and uh, and they they go brilliant. And uh, I'll I'll go back to you, Charles, with that one. So just to... I knew you're going to go to Charles first, and I know he's going to say who I'm going
2: to say. Go on. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'll be honest. I'll be honest and tell you if it's the same player.
1: Well, I think I said it earlier on. I hinted at it earlier on. Oh, uh, I knew yeah. it. Yeah. I think it's Gabriel on, Jesus. Gabriel yeah. Jesus. Honestly, I think everyone's sleeping on how good Gabby Jesus is, and. That the injuries lay off, and then he came back. He wasn't quite on it, even though when he came off, he scored more goals in that little period than he did in the in the period where he played absolutely, genuinely world class style football, which he did not that fit up until December. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So yeah, I, I just think I just think he's top top quality. I think he's absolutely got the ability to be a twenty goal forward. I think you're gonna we're gonna go back to seeing that Jesus nice and rested, who's going to be flying, who's going to be press him from the start and you know he was so transformative in that first half of the season before the injury and I think we a lot of people forget just how good he was in that spell. And I hope I'm just hoping this summer, you know, he's got his energy back, he's fully fit, he's ready to go, he's ready to make up for missing that big chunk of last season. And I think he I think he's gonna have an absolute world year of a season. I really do.
0: Yeah, I find it quite I'm I'm with you. I find it really surprising how when he returned people were all of a sudden like Oh, he's not. He's not as informed. I mean, he came back from a in- knee injury that he was out for quite a few months. For he missed half of a World Cup. You know, he would have been absolutely gutted. He's he's joining back into a team that are that were well. We were just about purring. We managed to uh, we managed to stay top of the league and just about. And I think it's probably fortune as well because that, at that time Man City were turning on the uh, afterburners, weren't they? Um, in terms of the, their run to the title, and so. I think a lot of people suddenly saw the form that we were we were stuttering a little bit, and I've, I've seen a few people that have linked sort of Gabriel Jesus to that as well. But I I do hope too that uh, he's really going to bang. Dave, is, was that your choice uh, well,
2: as well? That, that was uh, yeah, also, but yes, but also because if we if it's as as we all assume that, that Declan is going to allow him to play Havertz and Odegaard, I think the. The, the Jesus we saw dropping in, picking the ball up in you know his own half and being everywhere, we won't see that. Even if he wants to do it, Arteta's going to be quite strict with him this year and I think we're going to see a final third player. Now, that's not to say he's going to be a six-yard box poacher, he'll never be that, and, and I think he'll interchange with Saka and he'll interchange with Martinelli, but I think what we won't see is the, the man who feels like he has to be involved in the build-up plan, dropping in and helping people out. So I think we'll see... We'll see the, the 20 goals, 20 assists sort of player that I think he is. Uh, and we've got a lot more chance of seeing that this season, assuming he stays fully fit. So I totally agree with Charles. But I think the Havertz and the Havertz-Odigard dynamic with Rice behind, if that's what we, you know, we believe and we we all do. We'll, we'll see him much closer to the goal a lot more often as well.
0: Yeah, I think the ha- yeah the Havertz thing is going to be a really interesting thing because it's a really aggressive move from Arsenal. I mean, they're obviously... If you making can't it right- volley it into the goal, you know, with a free hit yeah i mean if they if they re- <laughs> if they really are looking to be as aggressive as it sounds by playing havertz Erdegard martinelli saka and gabriel jesus then it, his the expectation of jesus might be that we need you further up the field mate because you're going to have lots and lots of supply lines there so it's That's going to be I interesting mean. it's going to be really really interesting listen we we're, we're just coming towards the end of today's uh pod but we've got a couple of questions that i just wanted to pose to you guys so let's do some uh, some quick fire bits um does anyone know, um, Charles or Dave, any truth in the rumours of a Gabriel Jesus injury in training yesterday? I haven't heard anything about that. Have any of you guys heard anything?
1: I haven't at all. And I hope that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> that's literally the first time I've heard of it. To be fair, I've been out on a golf course today. So I haven't obviously not following what's going on too closely in uh, in America. But I haven't seen any of the guys on the ground over there report that unless I've missed mm. it. So, no, hopefully not. So we hope that that's a no. We hope that that's a hard no. Dave, quick question
0: for you then. Um, Where do you see ESR fitting in the eleven?
2: Well, head or heart? (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I, I generally think that we need to see him pushing to be involved on a weekly basis. And I think in himself, I hope he's confident enough to think that he can push for a starting place. And I think most fans won't believe that, but I think as a player he may well believe that. And if he does believe that, I think the position he thinks he can challenge for will be the Havertz position. Uh, I can't see him going back out of the left, you know, because we've cha- again. People think, oh, it's Martinelli Smith-Brow interchanging, and it was, but that was two years ago. Last year when he came on for Martinelli, it was the last twenty minutes, and even the year before after January. Martinelli's changed the way we play, the team has changed the way we play, and I don't think Smith Rowe is a Martinelli type player. So I think the left eight role is the one that he will be gunning for. But of course, he's now competing with Trossard as well, which is the other one we haven't spoken about, who's not really let us down wherever he's played. So, but uh, yeah, I think the left eight, and I, I hope he'll push for it. You know, we've spent 65 million pounds on Havertz, but you know, if if in three months' time Smith Rowe's Got his opportunity and taking it, people won't remember we spent sixty-five million pound on Havertz. They'll be looking, they'll be going for the homegrown lad. Of course they will. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I really hope that Smith Rowe has a good season. I, I really do. I, I agree with Dave. I think that left eight role is, I think he's got all the attributes to play that role really, really well. My only worry is, I, I just hope Mikel gives him opportunities because there was there was chances to get minutes into ML. In the second Definitely. half of our season, when yeah. he came out, and Mikel didn't, for whatever reason, didn't take those chances, and I thought that was a shame. So I hope he changed. But it he a did little. do
2: that with Martinelli, didn't he? After a long-term injury,
1: yeah. We were he
2: all did. screaming for Martinelli to play two years ago, and he wasn't being played. No,
1: team. and and so yeah, and we all know what happened there. So hopefully it follows. So my only worry is that left left eight role. It's kind of a worry, but it's also exciting as well. I, I think because obviously I I think Havertz has clearly been identified to play that role, but I think the signing of Declan Rice, who I know we've barely even talked about in the show, is just such a brilliant signing, by the way. Um, obviously, he's going to play yeah. six. But I think in those games away at the Etihad or at Anfield or Man United, if, as long as you keep Thomas Partey, which I hope they do, and then you've got the option of basically having Thomas Partey as a six and playing Declan Rice as that sort of eight in those big away games. I think that's such an exciting sort of potential lineup there in terms of just dominating midfield. You've got two players who, and with Odegaard as well, who's so good at it. You've just got three players there in that three who just love turning over possession, winning the ball back in whatever area they're playing. And I think in those big away games against the top teams, I think that's a really exciting sort of. I think thing sometimes do you think, do you think do
2: you think do you think Charles he might actually revert to the four two three one in those games and actually play Rice and Party as a two, you know, he might do. and revert he to did. Odegaard as as
1: he was originally the ten in the three rather than the sort of two eights. He might know, do, and I one think one one that's what they these, all of these signings this summer is basically when you look at them. They all point to a slight shift in the system. We're also adjusted to this 4-3-3 that mikel has been playing. But then you look at Timber, obviously, that's very different to Ben White. You look mm-hmm. at you look at um, Declan Rice, it's very different to Thomas Party. And you look at Havertz, he's very different for Jacker. And if those three are just coming in basically for White Party Jacker, which we think they are the majority of the time, I think that kind of points potentially to a different looking Arsenal next season in terms of how they're setting up and the way they want to play, because all three of those players, although they can play in those positions, I think they're going to bring very different qualities to the ones that they're replacing.
0: Yeah. One of the things that I love about the prospects for next season is that I have no idea how we're going to line up from game mm-hmm. to game. And if I've got no idea and I spend all of my time watching Arsenal, reading about Arsenal, listening to Arsenal, hearing comments from Mikel Arteta, how on earth are other teams going to be able to to react to that? Um it's going to be a really, really interesting and quite a fun kind of uh, hopefully a quite a fun opening sort of start to the season. We need to start well. If we start mm. well, then I'm going to be quite excited. And actually, when I talk about starting well, I'm even looking at these pre-season games just perform well, just like we did last season. And everyone's going to be up for it. Right. We're going to wrap up now, but I want to do one final question. It's just a bit of a. Uh, uh, an interesting one that I thought I'd pose uh, for you both. All-time favourite manager. Now, I don't know whether that's Arsenal or whether that's just managers in general, but uh, Dave, you can go first for this one, seeing as you moaned at me for picking uh, Charles to go first on the uh, last question. <laughs> my all-time Arsenal favourite manager. Yeah, let's do that.
2: Obviously, it's got to be Arsenal. I mean, yeah, I, 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 for some people are looking at me and knowing me and my age and everything will probably say I'd say George Graham and, uh, yeah, different, different eras, but no, you we all got a little bit frustrated at the end, but you look at what happened in the early part of his tenure, completely transformative and uh, changed our club. Yeah. And the way we were perceived around the world. So yeah, I would still say Arsene Wenger is my favourite Arsenal manager. As for managers generally. Yeah. I mean, I don't look much outside of Arsenal. To be honest. <laughs> yeah, so no, just, just, just Arsene Wenger.
1: I'm just going to repeat what Charles, Dave said i'm gonna repeat what they said i love george i you know when i was a kid when i first started supporting arsenal it was george graham i was you know just caught anfield 89 thankfully the 91 the double double the double cup you know the cup winners' cut all of that it was brilliant and i loved it but you know that era of wenger it was just so special the first half of it just yeah. seeing those teams play the way they did it the records they set um it was just, you know, it was just so special with that group of players as well. And, you know, I think I respect Arsene Wenger more than I respect most people. And like Dave said, it ended badly, should have gone earlier than he did. And it was a shame that it all sort of dragged on a little bit too long. But, you know, he absolutely deserves the statue that he's getting at that, at that stadium in a very, you know, just in a few weeks time. And um, yeah, just a special man. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a really guys.
2: great there's a really great book about some of those things he achieved as well coming out.
1: <laughs> oh my god! I am and looking forward note,
2: to reading <laughs> it.
0: And on that note, um, just before we go, just a quick one to uh, remind you that um, we talked. Uh, Charles mentioned earlier about we haven't talked too much about Declan Rice. There's a show that Mandy did earlier in the week where she got Alan Olga um, and uh, chap called Anthony. I think was a, a sports coach along just to talk about what he brings. So if you want to listen in, you can obviously uh, access our catalogue of stuff on youtube um, and then there was also the gay goodness piece which amanda did last weekend uh, which was really interesting as well she's got a family show she's doing this weekend which i think is at 4 p.m so she's got some of her family members along so if you want to join amanda you can do so on sunday uh, that's it from me for today thank you very much to everyone in the chat i'm sorry i couldn't get through to all of the uh, questions we had lots of interesting questions but uh unfortunately we've all got to run uh, charles thank you very much for joining me
1: thank you very much for me chris
0: Dave, lovely to have you on, mate. See you at Wembley. See you at Wembley. And we will see you, Arsenal fans, uh, next time on the same old Arsenal podcast. Cheerio, guys. Thanks, Chris.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.